0: Welcome to the Media Leader Podcast, I'm Jack Benjamin. It's that time of year again. Yes, the holidays are upon us, but so are annual ad spend forecast reports. Sorry, I could not help myself, but each December, Group M, the investment arm of WPP, releases its annual this year, next year report. The report highlights an all-encompassing view of the global ad market, summarizing both the past year and looking forward to what we can expect from next year and over the next five years. This year's report estimated global ad revenue growth to be 5.8% to total $889 billion. Group M anticipates next year will see a slight deceleration to 5.3% growth. Kate Scott Dawkins, the author of the report and Group M's global president of business intelligence, highlighted that following years of volatility during and after the COVID-19 pandemic, she expects a normalization of growth over the next five years at a 5.6% compound annual growth rate. Kate was very kind to sit down with me for a one-on-one discussion. We talked about key takeaways from the report, the state of the UK ad market, the year in retail media, TV's transition away from linear, how the sluggish Chinese economy has both helped and hurt the global ad market, and digital's overall dominance. This is that conversation. I hope you enjoy, for a full write-up of the This Year, Next Year report, visit (laughs) themedialeader.co.uk. Kate, uh, thank you very much for joining me to speak about Group M's this year, next year, 2023 report, which you authored. Uh, I know you're always busy, but this time of year is exceptionally busy for you. So I really appreciate you carving out the time for me.
1: Very happy to be here.
0: I wanted to dive right in because the report is extensive. Uh, There's 46 pages here, and I know that that is just barely scratching the surface of all the research that you've been doing about the market over the past year. So why don't we start briefly with a top line summary of the report? In your own words, what is the current state of the global ad market, and where do you expect us to be this time next year?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's been a year that has uh surprised in some ways. And in other ways we're we're seeing a continuation of trends that we've we've noted over the last several years. So um it seems a little bit uh maybe funny to still be talking about the pandemic, but really we're still working through some of the financial movements and implications that have happened as a result of that. So um, you know, we are really right on track with where we said we would be at the end of last year, which I think is is pretty good given how much uh, uncertainty and turmoil has been in the headlines. So we're predicting 5.8% growth for the 2023 year and a deceleration next year to 5.3%. Although with inflation falling and you know great news in the UK uh, recently on inflation there, um, that's going to feel better in terms of real growth next year even. Um, so important to keep that in mind, even though The nominal figure may be lower slightly. Uh, We're expecting it to to be higher in real growth given falling inflation. Mm. Um, Really, we're seeing consumers uh, being a big piece of the continuation of advertising investment and ad revenue. Um, Retail sales have held up remarkably well in the US uh, to the extent that we're seeing a lot of incoming advertising to the U.S. from overseas because that's been such a healthy market this year. Um, you know, slower growth in China than we had predicted earlier in the year. A lot of underlying factors economically there, but really we're starting to see economies, you know, come to grips with what needed to happen to tame inflation. Um, and we're still working through some of the effects there with high interest rates, which are going to affect uh, all the markets we track in terms of advertising into the next year.
0: Mm. You so you mentioned that the forecast for next year is forecasting a deceleration of growth. Um, you mentioned interest rates. There's lots of uh, other you know, shocks to the market that, that have occurred, including a new war recently in the Middle East. Um, can you explain exactly what's behind the slightly decelerated forecast for 2024 as compared to this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in sort of very broad high-level terms, inflation can be see, seen as a, a with positive to advertising growth when we see a lot of companies, um, budgeting for advertising as a percent of revenue, when input costs go up and inflation rises, uh, companies that can often do raise their prices to consumers that results in higher overall revenue numbers, which can then translate into higher advertising, uh, as well, because it's that percent of revenue figure, um, so that's been boosting, I think, some of the the nominal figures over the last couple of years. Now, with inflation coming back down globally again, I think we're going to see some moderation of those prices. Uh, but that'll be reflected in revenue figures for the major advertisers globally, um, and we'll see that uh, impact into next year. And then again, I think you know, interest rates really um, the entire reason the Fed, you know, central banks raise interest rates is to slow the economy. Um, and I, I do think that if we will eventually get to that point, um, there's a lot of talk around when rates are going to start getting cut. That will have a big impact, I believe, on on business investment specifically and on a, a group of companies that we call digital endemics, online born companies that have been really big driver of growth for advertising mm. over the last five years or so. Um, they are heavily impacted by interest rates. And so until we see those start to come back down, I think that's going to weigh a little bit on global advertising growth.
0: Mm. A figure that really stuck out to me uh, from the report is that the top five ad sellers, which are Google, Meta, ByteDance, Amazon, and Alibaba, grew uh, 25.4% on a compound annual basis from 2016 to 2022. Um, But excluding those players, the market grew just 0.6% each year. Um, That strikes me as a pretty extraordinary... Uh, centralization of growth. Um, Meta itself had a fantastic year this year. Group M expects it to account for 14.6% of the entire global ad market. What explains this this group of five companies' dominance? Is it that they've become more of a necessity for small and medium businesses? Is it something else? Is it just a lot more money going into digital, generally speaking?
1: I think all of those things are a factor. Um, I think we can look at kind of three really big contributing Things that have uh, I think added to their growth. So, one you mentioned small and medium businesses. These are uh, and direct you know buyers rather than agencies and, and large advertisers are a majority of revenue for companies like uh, Meta and Google and Amazon. And the self service uh, mechanisms that they've been able to put in place to make it very easy for companies that are you know small businesses don't have big marketing teams, right? They want something easy that they can set and go in and do themselves without a lot of knowledge necessarily um, about the wider advertising uh, industry. And so that's, I think, really helped them gain ground and, and pick up that long tail of advertisers. Um, if we look at some of the uh, bigger brands and just generally, a lot of the investment into AI has helped us as well. So we're seeing um, pickup amongst uh, tools and offerings like Um, Performance Max at Google and Advantage Plus at Meta, Um, the ability of these companies to take the vast amounts of data that they have access to and apply AI to that at scale has been uh, especially beneficial for large and multinational brands, right? They have one single partner. They can take learnings from one market and uh, apply them in another, uh, and that AI helps bridge that with the data across markets for those companies. I think that's another um, key element of what they've been able to do. So the the self-service piece of it, um, the use of AI extensively, and also the ability for brands to work with a single partner globally, that scale, I think, has helped them as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Two of the those companies mentioned, uh, Amazon and Alibaba, are big in retail media, which was expected to have a really big year in 2023. And by your account, it was a big year, but GroupM did downgrade its estimate for just how big a year uh, retail media is having for 2023 um, in total revenue. Um, but it does note that retail media is basically dominated by Amazon, Alibaba, and also JD.com, which is another Chinese uh, retailer. Um, how do you view that specific subset of the digital market? Do you expect more competition to come in from other players like the Walmarts of the world? Um, in the UK, you have Tesco and, and uh, Boots and a few other ones. Um, do you expect more competition? Um, what what's the growth outlook for retail looking like?
1: Yeah, I'll note, I'll note a couple of things here. So the um, the revision to our estimates for the total size of, of retail media in 2023 were really a result of China. So um, it's the you know largest retail media market even beyond the U.S. Uh, and their estimates for 2023 came down a little bit. I think part of that is actually just the Yuan uh, translation. So there's a currency effect happening there. Mm. And then also, you know, more sluggish retail sales in China we, than we had expected in, in June. Um, in the singles day sales there were um, maybe not as uh, hyped afterwards as, as we would have thought if we, they had a, a banner year. Um I'd say that's that's the revision, right? It's not that we're expecting uh, slower growth anywhere else. It's it's really a, a China specific thing, um, and I think relating to the back point or the last point you said around um, the rest of the market growing much more slowly than those top five. It's not that there haven't been very fast growing uh, media owners within that. It's just that it's you know we've also had declines in other areas. So Walmart is a great one to mention. I think um, at the end of the this year. I expect them to make it into our top 25 mm. ranks of global media sellers. And then we'll have, you know, at least six that are commerce focused, retail focused, you know, instead of uh, content focused companies. Although some like Amazon are, are doing both as best they can. Mm. Um, so, yes, we are seeing more competition um, we're seeing uh, expansion from multiple multiple players in this space and retail media. I think for brands, what they're now really interested in seeing is greater standardization, uh, both within uh, retail media partners across networks and across re- retail media partners, to really help them get the most out of this uh, channel that they can, right? It's a still a bit new and things are still being um, figured out in terms of standards, metrics. Um, and that's what we're expecting to see next is a greater sophistication and maturity for this channel.
0: Mm. You brought up uh, a general slowdown in China, or at least uncertainty in China, certainly going into next year. Um, in the report, I think you you say that China's both helped and hurt the global advertising markets here. Can you explain what you mean by that? Because it's clear you know for uncertainty can hurt things, but also can can help other markets. Is that the case, basically?
1: This is a really interesting um piece. and and I and mean, when we had forecast this actually as far back as June in conversations with people. So what we saw this year was that uh, with kind of GDP growth, advertising growth, and consumer spending growth slowing in China, That has meant we've shifted down our expectations for growth in China, but retailers in in China, China China-based retailers, China-based advertisers looking for growth have really found that in the United States and other markets. So we've seen a huge increase in inbound advertising to the United States and Canada uh, from, from APAC, basically, from what we can see in Meta's financial filings. Uh, and just what we can see that's net so the the figure is probably bigger but uh you know we're we're estimating at least 5.9 billion that's come in just in the first three quarters of 2023 that's 95% higher than it was last year um so you know that's retailers like uh Timo and Shein uh, advertising on platforms like Meta and and Pinterest they've both been mentioned in um earnings reports this year, and then also uh, Chinese-based sellers on marketplaces like Walmart and Amazon um, abroad, uh, looking for customers in in markets with higher growth than we've seen in China in the back half of this year.
0: Mm -hmm. We've talked about China, U.S., huge markets. The third biggest is actually now the U.K., used to be Japan until uh, this report. Um, I I'm curious because the UK market, certainly living in the UK, uh, you know the economy doesn't feel that great. I think consumer sentiment is still depressed, and, and you note that in the report as well. Um, I'm curious, uh, with, with certain indicators lacking in terms of uh, inflation rate, let's say compared to even other European countries, how do you view the UK market specifically this year and also going into next year? Are things maybe looking up? Uh, are we getting into a big recession? Are we avoiding a big recession? Do you expect? I mean, yeah, you don't have a crystal ball, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Make my job so much easier if I didn't, Jack. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think, again, it's so much fun in years where we have big currency fluctuations, because you really do have to pay attention to that when you're reviewing all of these numbers. And I think that that is a factor, uh, a really big factor in terms of the UK and Japan basically flipping places this this time around. So between June and December, um, the movement of the yen has impacted rankings. And so we'll see where we get to, you know, in June, we release again um, that may flip back. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, certainly I think slower growth from both of those markets, you um, In the UK is certainly impacted by, you know, how sticky inflation has been. Although, again, you know, great print recently for for that to now start coming down. And I, uh, you know, in terms of European performance, we've seen even, um, you know, France doing a little bit better than the UK uh, into this year. And and next year with the Olympics, I think France, again, will be an an outperformer within Europe. Um, But I think there's a lot of... uh, you know, innovation as well and growth within retail media within areas like CTV in the UK um, that are sources of optimism uh, going forward as well.
0: Mm. I wanted to dig into TV, actually. Um, it strikes me as the market being in a state of transition. It's been this, kid, this way for a number of years, of course, since you know streamers have become popular. CTV has become very popular. Um, you mentioned to reporters previously that streaming video ad revenue is nearing a tipping point where it will overtake linear. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is now not just advertising. So this is total, total revenue. revenue for some of the the you know, largest uh, media owners includes you know, big U.S.-based players like Warner Brothers and Disney and Comcast and then ITV and, and RTL as well in this analysis. Um, and we looked at total kind of linear TV revenue versus streaming revenue, including uh, things like affiliate fees on the linear side and including subscription fees on the, the streaming side. And it is a rapid increase in terms of what percent of revenue is coming from the streaming side. We're not tipping over the halfway point yet, but um, I, th- I think the writing is on the wall. Right there, there there has to be this transition, um, and I think there is still room. We've seen a lot of price hikes recently um, in terms of the the subscription fees for these services. That feels easier to bear in markets, uh, potentially like Germany and the US, where there's been a high penetration of pay TV, especially that that money that's been aside, set aside for entertainment can, I think, more easily transition into paying for streaming services. It might be a little bit harder in markets where traditionally free-to-air, you know, BBC and in the UK, France has been a, a larger, larger trend there. Um, but I think generally we're going to see that full transition to streaming um, and those new revenue models that are built around that as a as a as a platform.
0: Mm. But important to advertisers is that with more people on streaming, that's going to result in fewer actual ad hours viewed, right? Because you have people one paying extra to avoid ads altogether, and two, the ad inventory on streaming services is generally lower than on linear. So so how important is it for advertisers to sort of nail this transition into more streaming audience?
1: This was um you know really I think fun interesting analysis for for me to do as a part of this report and I think important for people to be keeping in mind, right? Um again it's going to vary by market. Uh here in the US we might expect something like 12 ad minutes per hour on linear or time-shifted TV, but only 4 minutes uh per hour in something like streaming. So that's already a, a big divergence when you have more TV watching time coming on streaming and and you know, either ad supported or script subscription video platforms. You're talking about as you said uh, a real decrease in the number of like sort of average ad hours if we want to talk about it that way. And then when you start to factor in some of those streaming hours are subscription only as you said people who are paying to have ad free experiences you can quickly get to a place where, over the next four years, we might see, you know, average ad hours decrease by 17 to 19%. Um, now, of course, there are things we could add into this analysis, right? You, you might see, uh, you know, ad pods increasing in duration in future. We might see greater use of things like um, product placement or ad insertion. So, there's a lot that still has to be figured out in this space. But I think. If we were to see things kind of stand as they are today, that's what we're looking at.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Something that was new to this report, uh, I believe, was the inclusion of looking at specific different types of brands and how they're spending. Um, and your report notes, for instance, that CPG brands have maintained ad spend this year and been rewarded for it with better business outcomes. I'm curious. Um, I mean, maybe you're privy to conversations that I'm not, how how much of the boardroom conversation about advertising in general, certainly for those types of brands, but maybe others has changed to become, uh, to see advertising as more of an investment than a cost.
1: Yeah, I think you know within the the world of CPG, we we had been seeing a lot of conversation around uh, cost cutting, kind of leading up into twenty nineteen or so. I think we're now at a place um, where that conversation has shifted into more of an investment, an understanding that advertising. Can lead to growth of both top line and bottom line for these companies. Um, and we heard a lot during earnings calls over the last several years. So um, we had the Kellogg CEO early on saying, you know, we think that uh, instead of cutting marketing spend when we have to pass on these inflationary costs to consumers, we should be, you know, investing more as a way to convince uh, consumers that our product is worth it. It's, it's better than trading down to store brands. We're investing in innovation. We're investing in premiumization which a word you hear frequently on, on these earnings calls. Um, and I think what happened was that they were all in all able to grow ahead of inflation um, over the last couple of years. And so we've heard just in the most recent earnings calls from companies like uh, P&G and Unilever and Coca-Cola, a really, reinstated commitment to continuing that practice into next year expectations for advertising growth into next year um, as an investment as you said as a way to um, increasingly communicate with consumers uh, the the innovation and the the premiumness
0: of their brands Mm, and that would allow for further price increases should there that become necessary due to inflation or, or yes or no
1: um, no, I don't think we're going to see greater contribution from volume for those CPG companies into this year rather than price. Um, mm. That that mix is shifting. Uh, so I don't think it's in terms of planning to pass on more costs, but just being able to grow that volume now, right? The, the a great term, you know, revenue growth management within CPG companies. Um, and so looking at that balance between uh price contributions to growth and volume contributions to growth i think we'll see that shift to volume now over the coming year
0: mm. and in terms of other types of brands and companies tech media entertainment has had a really tough 2023 just in terms of having to lay off a tremendous amount of people overall throughout the, the those sectors um i'm curious how are they looking at their ad spend that part of their budget then in response to okay lots of cost cutting messages generally speaking how's advertising holding up
1: I think with this one, it's really crucial to look at a slightly longer time horizon. Um, so if we look at, you know, employee bases, you know, kind of within the last year, it looks very different than if we look at a trend from, say, 2018 or 2019 to now. We sort of overcorrected in growth for a couple of years, and now we're, I'd say, more, maybe more normalized or back on trend. Um, and that's both uh, employee hiring and advertising, I would say. So. Um, you mentioned media entertainment. There was a real push during the last couple of years to um, really grow those subscription businesses, uh, gain subscribers, you know, gain revenue, show that these uh, companies could be profitable in their D2C or, or direct-to-consumer streaming services. Um, and that led to pretty high increases of advertising spend. These were companies that were now marketing directly to consumers, whereas before that relationship might have been held by, at least in the US, cable distributors. right? Um, So even though I think now and and from the start of this year, we were hearing much more around uh, scrutiny of content marketing and looking at that as a cost that might come down a little bit this year. We do have uh, Disney's 10K that was out last month. Um, and you know, yes, advertising expense as a a category was cut 11%. Um, but you're looking at that being still, I think it's a 48% increase over the 2018 or the 2019 number. So here taking a longer horizon, look, um, you know, viewing the last couple of years as, as maybe, um, you know, growth above and beyond normal and now back to normal, I'd say is, is probably
0: more accurate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Looking at things on a much more consumer end, we talked about at the top, especially the UK, consumer sentiment's not amazing. Um, I'm sure the US is similar. We've seen lots of polls even recently about uh, more politically charged, but saying, well, we think the economy is bad, even though other economic indicators are actually not that bad. That's probably true in a lot of other countries as well. Um, I'm, is there any concern at all that lagging consumer sentiment could affect uh any other types of business investment?
1: Um, it's interesting. We we always follow consumer sentiment. Um, I haven't seen a good study that's actually shown correlation to uh, advertising growth or or even retail sales in most cases.
0: <laughs> People are still <laughs> sometimes sending. you
1: can even sometimes you can get that lines going in opposite directions, right? Where the the sentiment's getting worse, but but retail sales are still going up. So I just I'd caution against using that by itself. Um, certainly something to keep track of. I think the the points here that are really interesting is that the sentiment may be that things are are worse off. We have actually seen pretty good wage growth in a lot of markets and and often benefits uh, going disproportionately to the lower quartiles of the income group. So I think that's that and really low unemployment, I think, is is supporting, even though people are feeling a bit worse, the the job security, um, some wage growth, uh, you know, some labor power in markets, I think is helping to support ongoing retail sales and ongoing economic growth, um, even though people may not be feeling like the world is that great right
0: now. Mm. Well, Kate, I appreciate you answering a volley of questions about this report. But one last question uh, before I let you go. Um, You spend a tremendous amount of time and effort preparing this report and others like it. I have to ask, as I've been looking to ask a lot of our other guests on the podcast, why are you passionate about media and advertising? What makes you enjoy the work that you do?
1: Um, That's a great question. I think uh, there's certainly an element of... um, you know, nerdiness, the love of analysis and finding patterns and getting to the bottom of things like puzzle solving, detective work, I think absolutely is is a big part of it. And honestly, I can still remember, you know, an ad I saw as a a young adult and thinking, wow, that had the power to to make me laugh, to make me think, to remember it. Um, And so I I really enjoy being an industry that uh, has that power to um, to move people to, uh, inspire. And that may be a little bit you know, jaded with the whole consumption culture, but, um, it's, it's why I enjoy the work overall.
0: Mm. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me about this report. Uh, I really appreciate your time. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Jack thank you for listening to the media leader podcast you can find and listen to all our episodes on our website at themedialeader.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts but just remember please do subscribe to be notified when we release our next episode from all of us at the media leader i'm editor omar Oakes. our executive producer is jack benjamin see you next time